Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Black and Red Book Review Podcast. I am once again your host, Doc. I am an herbalist, a street medic, an anarchist, a on-again, off-again union man, uh, soon to be a certified professional drug dealer, and I am based out of so-called New England. And on this podcast, I rate, read, review, critique, and mock white nationalist neo-Nazi literature. I read this shit so that other people don't have to. And I just finished the other day doing the notes for what I think might be the longest book I have ever covered on this podcast at 40 chapters. 40 chapters long. It's an autobiography. A 40 chapter long autobiography. Now you may be asking yourself, who is, who the fuck could possibly be so egotistical that they would cover a 40 chapter autobiography of themselves? Now, dear listener, I have to tell you, this person is not a returning alumnus of this podcast. This is someone we have not spoken about before. This is sort of a racist grandpa of the of the now defunct alt-right movement, a Charlottesville participant, a f- state congressman, a failed uh, congressional candidate, and an all-around grifter and scumbag who's been in the game longer than basically anybody who's still alive. He's somehow managed to outlive both Harold Covington and William Pierce. Ladies, gentlemen, non-binary comrades, I am here to uh, introduce you to the wonderful autobiographical stylings of Mr. David Duke. That's right, David Duke, uh, a Klansman turned senator. Uh, He used to be a a neo-Nazi wearing the brown shirt and armband when he was in college, but he quickly figured out that he could just run as a Republican and he would win. So... Uh, in, ter- in keeping with the theme of this season where we re- uh, go through the line that separates normie conservatives from white nationalists and other assorted fascists, David Duke is a perfect example of this. And so we are going to take our sweet time going through this incredibly long tome of a book. It was somewhere around 600 pages long and 40 chapters. The chapter lengths, by the way, all over the fucking place. You would see some chapters that are like 15 pages long, and some of them were like two paragraphs. It, it, it was insane. Uh, the title of the text we will be going through today, dear listener, is entitled My Awakening, which felt a little bit like Mein Kampf just from the title alone. Uh, I looked it up. I think in German it would be Mein Erwachenung, something like that. Uh, so I got the distinct impression this was supposed to be David Duke's uh, manifesto. I don't know if he wrote it or if he dictated it, but either way, it is very poorly done despite being 40 chapters long. You can't stretch out a piece of shit and pretend it's a, a, a work of art, you know? Um, so let's just go right into this text here. We all know a little bit who David Duke is. I've pretty much laid it out here. So let's just get right into this text because the sooner I start, the sooner I can get this done. And I have never wanted to be done with the text more in the three-year history of this podcast than I want to be done with this fucking book. So going right into the intro here, the uh, author pro- or the the writer of the introduction, a woman by the name of Glade Whitney says that this book promises to be, quote, more than just a fascinating autobiography of a very controversial man. The introduction lays out his connections to the Republican Party, 
Quote, long before it became politically acceptable to do so, David Duke advanced the idea of, quote, workfare instead of welfare, unquote. In fact, in the early 1980s, he coined the term workfare in proposals for welfare reform. So all the horrible shit of neoliberal economics and financialization and deindustrialization that your dear host has had to live through in his uh, multiple decades of life, David Duke is partly responsible for. So uh, fuck him. Before Republicans effectively used opposition to affirmative action as effective campaign issues, David Duke showed the way in his astounding meteoric rise in Louisiana politics. Despite his controversial background, <laughs> yeah, that's one way of putting it, he won election to the Louisiana legislature in the face of massive media and establishment opposition, and then in subsequent statewide races for governor and U.S. senator, he received Hold on, this is a run-on sentence here. He won election to the Louisiana legislature, legislature in the face of massive media and establishment opposition, period. Capitalize in. In subsequent statewide races for governor and U.S. senator, he received over 60% of the white vote, white being capitalized. Period. End of sentence. This should be two sentences, not one long run-on sentence. Moving on. In the process of those elections, comma, he defeated the sitting Republican governor and gave an 18-year incumbent Democratic senator the closest re-election race of his career. He currently, currently as of like 1991, serves as chairman of the Republican Party in the, or wait, not like 99, 2000, something like that. He currently serves as chairman of the Republican Party in the largest Republican parish in Louisiana, the only one with a Republican majority. Forward by Glade Whitney. As of August 1998, Glade was the president of the, quote, Behavior Genetics Association, which sounds like a eugenics organization with a slight rebranding after the whole shit with Nazi Germany and its application of eugenics theories. Uh, there's the usual shit from the far right about free speech to appease the liberals and citing Voltaire. Uh, so that, that classic shit we all heard in 2017. Oh, you just don't like free speech. You're an intolerant leftist. You won't let me wear my Nazi armband to your show. Eh. That uh, old line of attack and appeasement of the center-right liberals. David Duke was very much on board with, even this early on. Quote, David Duke... Uh, more victim narrative here, by the way. David Duke has the distinction of being the only American politician to be smeared more viciously than Patrick Buchanan. With the entire establishment against him, he won public office as a state representative. In a bid for governor, he defeated... In a bid for governor, comma, he defeated in the first primary comma, the sitting Republican governor, comma, and then lined up against a dubious Democrat character with a reputation for graft and corruption. Jesus fucking Christ. Pr proof, get this thing proofread. What the fuck are you people doing? This is terrible. Moving on. Vastly outspent, comma, one of the prime slogans against Duke that appeared on bumper stickers throughout the state was, vote for the crook, it's important. The crook won. Uh, yeah... And I don't know, I'm sure some center-right Democrat in a Democrat fucking district managed to beat a, a fucking racist nobody named David Duke. I'm not shocked by this. Uh, but the, uh, what the fuck was her name? Glade promises us that, quote, Once you read this book, once I read this book to you, you will know why he has been attacked by, and I added the echoes here, those of immense power, meaning Jews. 
the author compares him to Voltaire, uh, and that states that Western civilization is in crisis because freedom of speech is in trouble leading towards totalitarianism, unlike the white nationalist neo-Nazi shit David Duke is into, which will not be totalitarianism for some reason. Uh, and here we have a little bit of an a introduction to the themes of this book. Quote, David Duke's awakening is presented here in three interconnected major themes of his discoveries of honest truths that are politically incorrect. One of his honest truths is that from a thorough immersion in modern science, he became convinced that racial egalitarianism is the scientific equivalent of the flat earth theory. I don't think racial egalitarians, whatever the fuck that's supposed to mean, typically need to cite scientific sounding rhetoric to justify a basically libertarian position. Uh, the idea that people should be equal and hierarchies should be justified if they're maintained at all. And that any idea of discrimination in favor of a racial underclass is probably a bad idea for society. I don't really need to cite science to explain that. If a person tries to uh, use scientific non sounding nonsense to explain why whites are the greatest people ever and we should do a genocide of the Armenians or the Jews or the blacks or the Cherokee or whoever, I'm not going to respond in a scientific manner. Fucked up. So, moving on here. He rejects the smear of racist while maintaining from that the true data are very different from those that most of us have been led to believe. A second of his sets of honest truths, Jesus Christ, that wording, is that, again with echoes, a powerful and cohesive self-serving group, meaning a cabal of Jews, has promoted a dishonest and hypocritical version of egalitarianism that is inimical to the interests of Western Christian civilization, which is all in caps. He rejects the smear of anti-Semite while maintaining that the true data are very different from those that most of us have encountered through the mass media. So he is a racist and he is an anti-Semite, but he's too much of a coward to own up to it. David, if you're going to be a white nationalist, you got to get used to people calling you a white nationalist. You're a white nationalist. Just say you're a white nationalist. Ugh. A lot of them are also pedophiles, but you don't see many of them, uh, you know, openly saying they're pedophiles. That you can understand. But a lot of them are just openly bigots. I don't understand why they, they can't take the flack with that except to protect their respectability, which is something David Duke is absolutely concerned with, although it hasn't worked out for him. Uh, certainly no one's heard of him post-Charlottesville. I hope he's died in a ditch, frankly. Uh, the intro author provides her own information. She used to work at Alamogordo, New Mexico in the early to mid-1960s. Apparently, the author's struggles with Israeli aggression against Lebanon led them led her to fall in with Duke and his ilk because uh, opposition to Zionist aggression in the Middle East automatically is, uh, compels you to be bigoted and anti-Semitic and fall in with neo-Nazis, apparently. Uh, so fuck her. Uh, laying out the theme once again, very common. You heard it from liberals and moderates, as well as white nationalists during the George Floyd uprising three years ago, that the black community and its liberation struggle must be controlled by someone, since black folks evidently can't have autonomy and agency of their own, according to liberals and white nationalists alike. Uh, <laughs> I love this line because of how, how fucking uh, foreshadowy it is, as someone who lived through 2018. Quote, the Anti-Defamation League may have been founded to counter bigotry. Sadly, it has transformed. It, uh, uh, this is one sentence and it should not be. May have been founded to counter bigotry, period. 
capital S, sadly, comma, it has transformed into one of the most bigoted of organizations, wielding the two mega smears of racist and anti-Semitic, both in quotes, it attacks whomsoever it dislikes. Uh, the author warns of a possible modern dark age, the only alternative to which is Western Christian civilization, meaning a white ethno state. Uh, <laughs> I love this line. Perhaps Duke will come to be remembered as a Moses-like prophet. Ew. Quote, this was my favorite line, and I'd like to make this my tagline for this episode if I have to have one. My awakening has the prospect of becoming to the race issue, comma, what wealth of nations is to capitalism or das Kapital is to Marxism, end quote, which is just that is quite a, a big promise. It, this is a book that definitely promises and under delivers. Uh, and keep in mind, we are almost 13 minutes into this episode and we are not even on chapter fucking one. So this might be, end up being like at least an hour long fucking podcast. And if so, I apologize. This is a 40 page, 40 chapter rather fucking book. So chapter one, an American son. And it, we open up right away with a category that will occur throughout this book that I'd like to call things that never happened. So right off the bat, we have our first thing that never happened. Now, I checked with a lawyer uh, who is also a buddy of mine and friend of the pod. And my lawyer buddy, friend of the pod, assures me that uh, it is not liable for me to call David Duke a liar. David Duke, uh, from what I understand, has to prove to me and to the court, if he chooses to sue me, that he is not lying and that this event that he recounts in this book actually happened. So I'm just going to say that I believe strongly that David Duke is a fucking liar and that this event that he I'm about to lay out from his book did not actually fucking happen. I challenge David Duke to prove that this event fucking happened. I want to see the fucking receipts. Otherwise, I'm just going to conclude the man's a liar and a piece of shit. So, David, if you're listening, I'm calling you out. I do not believe this event fucking happened. Prove me wrong. Quote, As a young man, I came to love that heritage so much that I devoted my life to preserving it. After 25 years of activism, I was elected to the Louisiana House of Representatives following the most controversial campaign for a state legislative seat in American history. I had just been sworn in. As I approached my desk on the House floor, two legislative pages delivered postal bids overflowing with mail. They held over 6,000 letters from well-wishers from all over the United States and the world. A postcard sat conspicuously atop a short stack of mail on my desk. It bore a cancellation stamp from New York City. Somehow it made its way to my desk at the Louisiana Capitol, addressed only Duke-Louisiana, all in caps. The handwritten note on the back simply said, Thank you for speaking for every politically incorrect European American. I, I don't believe this fucking happened, David. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I'm stating on this podcast in a public forum that I don't believe this event ever fucking happened. David, if this if this note that made its way to you based only on the last name Duke, Louisiana, was so fucking memorable, prove it. Produce the fucking note. Produce the note. Otherwise, I'm just assuming that David Duke's a fucking liar. Uh, he lays out uh, that when he was a kid living in Louisiana, he had a black uh, how, or housekeeper who worked for his parents, and that he regarded this black woman as basically his stepmom, and that he loved her very much because she was good and wholesome and knew her place as both a black and a woman. 
He doesn't quite say that, but it's strongly implied. <laughs> she was good because she knew her place and she didn't want to associate with white people. And I have just summed up about eight paragraphs worth of fucking writing. Uh, <laughs> uh, so he immediately gets into the weird uh, obsession with uh, fake bullshit based on genetics. All, almost always is, is bullshit, by the way. Their understanding of genetics is whatever they need it to be to make a rhetorical point. So, uh, I love this. Quote, It interests me how so many people place importance on the date of their birth and read their horoscopes religiously. Long before people understood genetics, they supposed that the arrangements of the sun, moon, and stars at the moment of birth determined the destiny of the child. If the planets do have an impact... I think it occurs at the instant of conception rather than at the time of birth. Just as the moon and heavens determine the tide, perhaps they could influence the meaning of egg and sperm. Ultimately, of course, it is not the positions of the stars that are important, but what two sets of genes come together at conception. Everyday science shows us that the abilities and even the behavior of that new life are greatly influenced by the genetic code it carries. Jesus Christ, that sentence is badly written. I, I, I can't really articulate why. Just, just... Go back to the drawing board. Our genetic genetic makeup combined with our life experiences make us who we are. Wouldn't that be make genetic makeup combined with our life experiences makes us make make us whatever. It is a badly written book. Moving on. Uh, as I got older, it became obvious to my parents that I was not a preacher. Could have fooled me. I was too quiet for the pulpit, so Father encouraged me to read. Starting when I was three and a half, he insisted that I sit and read for at least one hour every day. I rebelled at first, but once the habit took hold, I excitedly devoured my books. Uh, he mentions that his father was a petroleum engineer, and they traveled all over the South, and he went to the Netherlands, and the Dutch people were just wowed by his ability to learn Dutch in five minutes, which I will also assume is not a thing that actually happened, and if... if David wants to prove me wrong, you know, produce the documents. I want to see the fucking, I want to see fucking documents. I want proof. I want proof. I want evidence and I'll change my fucking mind. Otherwise, I think David Duke is lying about his fantastic Dutch. In fact, you know what? You know what, David? I don't speak Dutch, but you know what? I'm going to have, I'm going to make sure that I meet people who speak Dutch and they insult you in Dutch. So, you know what? I think you're a piece of shit. I think you're lying. I don't think you know Dutch. Fuck you, David. Moving on here. Uh, he mentions his father's occupation way too many fucking times in this first chapter here. I can quote it verbatim. Quote, Dad worked for Shell as a petroleum engineer. It becomes like a mantra almost in these paragraphs for no apparent reason. I think he just didn't get this thing proofread at all. Uh, I have it in my notes. Quote, Dad worked for Shell as a petroleum engineer. Please hold. So you get the idea. Uh, this was a hell of a sentence too, right in chapter one. Uh, all the way from American kindergarten through sixth grade, I never saw any drugs at the William C. Claiborne Elementary School. I saw no pornography nor alcohol. Uh, David, why the fuck would you see pornography in the fifth grade at an elementary school? What the fuck kind of pornography involves fifth graders, David? Do you, are, are, you, are you letting something slip you didn't mean to get into the fucking book there, David? Are you, are you letting slip that you're involved in child pornography, David? Now, I'm not accusing David Duke of being involved in child pornography. That would be a wildly irresponsible accusation to make on a small, shitty, personal uh, podcast project. What I am saying is David Duke brings up child porn in the elementary school section of his own autobiography, and that that fills me with all kinds of questions that I would like David Duke to answer. So, David Duke... Uh, 
you know, prove to me that you are not involved in child porn. Prove to me that you're not involved in child porn, that you do speak Dutch, and that you do you did actually receive this memorable handwritten note. Prove these things to me, and I will fucking, you know, stop going after David Duke. David Duke doesn't have to sue me. I don't have any fucking money. I just wanted, I want David Duke to prove uh, his two allegations and disprove his involvement in child pornography. It's not a tall order. Moving on here. Uh, he does a whataboutism of uh, the genocide of Native Americans, which was not original by any means, but was quite well done, I have to say, as somebody who's acquainted with white nationalist bullshit. Very well done. Quote, We are all taught that it was honorable for the Indians to defend their land and heritage from the massive immigration of those who would change it. But strangely, that same media teaches us that it is immoral for us to defend our land and heritage today. I've often drawn the connection between settler colonialism in America and Ulster loyalists in the six counties, but uh, the Ulster loyalists have a shorter way of saying what David just said. And the shorter way of saying it is no surrender uh, and waving a Union Jack. That's what David Duke is. He's exactly the same sort of creature as an Ulster loyalist militiaman. What about the struggle for Irish independence, which is as laughable as it is transparent. So, uh, once again, fuck you, David Duke. Uh, he la- he goes on and on about how he used to play soldier in war when he was a kid and glorifies violence and death in a very typical fascist fashion. Uh, you can also see our Mussolini or Julius Evola episodes for more about how fascists approach war and the subject of death. Uh, and that concludes chapter one of 40. Uh... And we are moving right along into chapter two here. Chapter two of the very same book. We have more boring family anecdotes. His aunt and uncle died in a car accident, which is legitimately sad. Uh, his mother struggles with alcoholism. Uh, David prays, etc., about it as a 10 year old. There's uh, This is all legitimately sad. I don't have any objection or critique here. It's the only decent, relatable part of this book, as far as I'm concerned. So I'm sorry you lived through that, David, uh, but. I also lived through an abusive family background full of poverty and a shitty home life, and I did not turn out to be a white nationalist and a multimillionaire, so I don't know. (laughs) I'm just saying. Uh, Moving on. We interrupt this pastiche of a sad home life to bring you even more bullshit. Quote, Perhaps the love of nature, with a capital N, that I developed as a child was an expression of the genes of my forefathers who lived many generations by farming. I'm not sure modern industrial farming counts as natural. Uh, I have friends who are more ecologically oriented who would definitely have some thoughts about that, but we will uh, keep it moving here. Quote, During this period, I read Rachel Carson's Silent Spring, the book that popularized environmental thinking in the 1960s. From the first few words I read, the ideas of ecological preservation became as real to me as the nature I played and swam in almost every day. I also devotedly read the fascinating books by Theodore Roosevelt on his great safaris in the wilds of Africa and the Amazon. They gave me my first understanding that the science and the nature I so loved had a relationship to government and society as a whole for people could destroy or or could respect or destroy the natural world. Politics might have more importance than it seemed to me on first thought, semicolon. Still, I found it boring compared to the life I found in nature and the science that explained its secrets. Uh, He lets some interesting thoughts go on gender roles as well when he becomes like 
11, 12 years old, quote, We also had definite ideas of the behavior of men and women. For us, it was taboo to cry. No matter how it hurt, a man was not supposed to cry. Yeah, emotional repression would probably explain quite a bit about you, David, to be honest. Quote, I understood that a man could feel great pain and hardship, but it was something that, that comma, except in extraordinary circumstances, comma, he did not show in public. There were, however, a few times in the most private moments of my youth when my emotions would spill out on my sleeves or on my pillow. Uh, David uh, apparently was influenced by his mom's alcoholism to go uh, what I wrote as straight edge bonehead. A uh, Basically, if he were you know a little younger, he would have been a, a skinhead who didn't drink, which I respect that. I have friends who are skinheads and straight edge both, um, but none of them are neo-Nazis or white nationalists. So, you know. Uh, you know, I would argue those ideologies are worse than alcoholism. Uh, but, you know, that's just me. Uh, moving on here. Uh, right into... We skip a whole bunch of bad dialogue that I just summarized up with that. You know, he went straight edge. He doesn't drink. Good for him. Moving on. Chapter 3. Son of the South. Uh, he gets big time into lost cause mythology. The idea that the South was forced by the North to start the Civil War that it lost and also started. Uh, it's an objective fact that the South fired the first shots at Fort Sumter. But they had to do it because Abraham Lincoln had, quote, carefully maneuvered the South into firing the shots at Fort Sumter. Uh... Lincoln's actions had made it clear that war was coming, and the South knew it could not win if the North held important forts on southern soil. Uh, he says that the South also had no real desire to resurrect the Civil War, for the South also intensely loved America as it had become their country after they lost the Civil War, uh, <laughs> as he fails to uh, elaborate that thought. Uh, I love this line right here. This is really something. Loyal Americans in the North need to understand something that every true Southerner knows. Find a bad Southerner, one who will not defend the South, and you will find an American who will not defend America. I'm not an American. I am an anarchist living in America, so I don't defend the American project. Um, but I also don't defend the Confederacy. So I'll, I'll you know, fuck you. Moving on. Uh, he lays out that he, uh, he, you know... His, he has a critique of the American dream in this section that was interesting that I thought might be worth reading in full. Quote, Today the American dream has become synonymous with getting rich, but not so where I came from. Some of the boys from my neighborhood might have had that dream, but for most of us in Gentilly Woods, Louisiana, comfortably middle class as we were, our dreams were not about money. Our dreams were about affairs of the heart, not of the pocketbook. Some of them wanted to be engineers or biologists or astronauts or soldiers or what have you. They wanted to grow up to be manly men doing traditionally masculine things and not be rich uh, white nationalist assholes. He wanted to become a scientist when he was 12, which brings us into chapter 4 of 40. So we are 10% of the way there. Thank God. Uh <laughs> I love this. I'll also take conversations that never happened. This is our second iteration in this book so far of things that never happened. Things that never happened, number two. David, if you if this happened and you want to accuse me of libel, you have to prove that this actually fucking happened from what I understand. So prove that this conversation you insist happened actually happened. I want to see some writing. I want to see something. Otherwise, this is going under things that never happened. 
Things That Never Happened number two. Quote, Concerning racial issues, Pinky had a traditional Southern black attitude. Black capitalized. She insisted on using the toilet in the utility room rather than the main bathroom. And if we picked up some takeout food at a restaurant, she always used the colored service area. She was opposed to socializing with white folks other than in her work. One day I asked Pinky why she had no problem with segregation. She answered simply and eloquently, quote, because I want to be with my own kind. Although she was not of my own kind, when she died and I looked into her open coffin at her kind face, I saw only someone who, for whom I cared and who cared for me. Uh, that's very sad, David. I'm glad that you were close to her despite uh, the racial barrier in place. I really wish 12-year-old you had followed that thought through to its fucking logical, insane, and moral conclusion, but you did not, because that's not where the money was. So, uh, fuck you. Uh, lay out this whole section about how he used to be a racial egalitarian and modern Christianity invented the sin of racism. That's a hot take. I'm pretty sure that's not what happened, but I'm also not a Christian. So yeah, uh, moving along through this sentence. Uh, he met black people and listened to jazz and this taught him that the idea of racial egalitarianism was wrong. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, TLDDR did read, though, in this case, Duke becomes a racist after being assigned to argue in favor of white supremacy for an eighth grade civics class. That's his story, and, uh, I'm not gonna file that under things that never happened, because I choose to believe that that's what happened. <laughs> it's funnier to me if, if he just, his whole life was turned around by an eighth grade civics, civics class assignment. I don't even remember who most of my eighth grade teachers were. <laughs> So, you know what? I'm going to give David this one. We're not putting it under things that never happened. Uh, so, he starts reading a book called Race and Reason by Carlton Putnam. Sounds like a real asshole. He might wind up on this podcast someday. But uh, mentioning and citing this book by name and title brings us into chapter five. Uh, the, the cringe here. The cringe of this prose is fucking astonishing. Quote, I would pause and read a couple of paragraphs and then close the book and walk while I thought about the concept. That evening, after wolfing down my supper, I bounded upstairs to my bedroom where I retrieved my book from its paper bag and read until I finished it. The book did not convert me. It sounds like it did. But it made me think critically for the first time about the race issue, and it made me question the egalitarian arguments that I had uncritically accepted. Yeah, the critical thinking position is to be a racist bigot in fucking 1960s Louisiana. Fuck you, David. You expect me to believe that? Come on. I was not ready to give up my egalitarian beliefs, but race and reason made me realize another legitimate and scientific point of view existed. I asked myself, what if the things he writes are true? What if the distinctions, quality, and composition of races are the primary factors in the vitality of civilizations? David, I don't believe for a fucking second that 8th grade you was sitting there thinking about the, quote, primary factors in the vitality of civilizations. I don't fucking believe you. I don't believe that those words ever went through your mind in 8th grade. I can't prove that they didn't. But I don't have to prove that they didn't. You have to prove that they did. That's how claims work. Uh, and obviously you can't prove thoughts you had the 8th grade. Um, and I don't really give a shit what you have to say insofar as poking holes in it and making fun of you. 
um, which is really easy to fucking do. They always give me the ammunition for this podcast. If white nationalists were to stop being a, a political movement and stop writing shitty books, I could put this podcast down and go on and go do any number of other fucking things. Um, but David Duke has plenty of awful, mediocre prose and lies uh, moving forward through this book. We are only on chapter five, after all. And we are already at the normal length of a normal episode of this podcast. So let's just keep right on fucking going, shall we? Immediately after that horrible paragraph I just read, he cites Orwell, because of course he does. Uh, Orwell, who traveled to Spain to shoot fascists, that Orwell... Uh, that's who David Dukes uh, was a big fan of in the eighth grade. He read all the classics, except for uh, homage to Catalonia, apparently. Uh, he has long, boring quotes from Lincoln, Jefferson, and other American sacred demigods trying to anchor his white nationalist project within the political project of America, which itself is fundamentally uh, a settler colonial white supremacist project. So he's partially correct about that. But I would argue the answer is to simply start over. Uh, and build other things that are not um, the American political project rather than uh, just being a white nationalist bigot. But those are really the only two logical positions of American history. Uh, so, you know, what, you know, throwing that out there. Uh, he he hits upon the basics of the great replace what would later come to be called the great replacement theory. <laughs> Again, while in the eighth grade, uh, apparently, according to him. Uh, I feel like David Duke should have probably just tried starting a religion like other white nationalists did later on. Uh, quote, It alarmed me to think of the implications of race having a cardinal role in the creation and maintenance of culture and civilization. If true, then replacement of the white race through immigration and race mixing could conceivably destroy Western civilization itself. Again, I don't believe that this fucking thought crossed your mind when you were in the eighth grade. I think you're an adult who is trying to lay out a plausible sounding foundation for why you're a piece of shit bigot whose kids won't talk to him as a 60 something year old adult. And so you're just trying to, you know, you're just trying to justify it post hoc. So you're putting thoughts in your eighth grade self's head. And frankly, David, I wouldn't let you anywhere near fucking children. I don't trust you enough or your white nationalist ilks to put you anywhere near fucking children. Like, no. So moving on here. Uh, chapter six of 40. Thank God. Uh, he uh, he starts reading more about IQ and he just happens to be reading a bunch of white nationalist and and like white supremacist pseudoscience from the 1890s, except for one notable book. Uh, this uh, I will also take this is yet again an entry of things that never happened um, and frankly it, uh, you know prove to me David that this did happen quote I began my quest by reading about the nature of intelligence starting as I like to do whenever I begin to investigate a subject with the dictionary in hand oh so you're just oh you're just so fucking brilliant you just read the dictionary in the 8th grade fuck you I don't believe you uh, wow, look at this. He has the, he's reading the bell curve. I don't think the bell curve came out in the 1960s. Um, so that's interesting that it managed to time travel back in time. Uh, <laughs> weird. That's fucking weird. Uh, brings us to chapter seven. 
uh, he makes the same point Willis Carto made that Marxism and liberalism and conservative liberalism are all basically the same and that he is to the right of conservatism. You can see our Willis Carto episode where we lay out more of that line of thinking. It's pretty common among white nationalists who are trying to not use the words white nationalist explicitly. Uh, I was a little a little concerned about the section labeled twin studies. That's not a thing that tends to end well with white nationalists poking at twins. Um, I'm genuinely surprised he doesn't do a phrenol- he doesn't get into phrenology in the eighth grade, but it never comes up in this book somehow. Uh, chapter eight race and intelligence it's a very well cited if long chapter with the slight problem that all of the citations are from discredited white supremacists uh total hacks and or friends of david duke uh moving on here uh traits among rats kept in cages are the equivalent of human racial categories according to david duke once again when david talks about himself as a child i will take things that never happened for 500 dollars, alex at the age of 10 I kept two white female rats in our garage in a large wooden box that I had built personally. Yep, here come the cops. They're coming for me. It had a wood frame and fine gray chicken wire top that fit poorly. On a spring day, I discovered that one of my rats was showing signs of gestation. Even though I did not understand it, I suppose that I had mistaken a male rat for a female. I couldn't understand why the father looked so female, for I had a lot of familiarity with white rats, raising and selling them to the local pet stores near my home. Oh, Jesus, David. Gotta go into all the fucking detail, don't we? The babies were finally born, little pink sacks with four... There's no comma or break in this sentence, by the way. The babies were finally born, little pink sacks with four extruding legs and eager mouths, but just outlines of closed eyes and ears. Each day I played with the little ones, but as they grew older, they seemed decidedly different from their mother and the the other rat, whom I presumed must be their father. As they began to grow their new coats, the fur grew out not white, but gray. More dramatically, their behavior seemed strange as well. By the time they reached a few weeks old, equivalent to a human's teenage years, no matter how often I held them, the brood acted increasingly wild and uncontrollable. Oh, so the black rats are just violently out to do crime because they're just black. What are you going to do? Uh, so, yeah, moving on here. Uh, he cites his, uh, high school biology teacher, who just happens to be both a bigot and wrong. Uh, armed with my newly gained knowledge, he says, I asked my biology teacher how the classifications of breeds of dogs compared to the classification of the races of mankind. Taken aback, she told me that she had never been asked that question by any student before, because David Duke is a genius. Uh, (laughs) that part is also left out, but it's strongly implied. But she said, breed and race are essentially two words for the same biological classification, subspecies. No, no, subspecies in human beings don't exist. Human beings are human beings. The differences are only skin deep. If you cut people open, they'll they'll all the same. If I were to put David Duke on a slab next to some poor random dead black guy and cut them both open they are both the same all their organs are in the same place the differences are only skin deep so that's a fucking lie right there not shocked from david duke who is as we've established quite a fucking liar but still that is quite a bullshit lie i refuse to believe his high school biology teacher recognized him as some sort of super genius asking questions no one had ever thought of before that's a lie (laughs) moving on chapter 10 uh uh, pe- white people are racially superior because they lived through the ice ages in Europe. I, and 
a thing that affected only Europe and nowhere else on Earth, apparently, according to David Duke. Uh, he got to use the phrase aggression as reproductive strategy, which is just don't ever talk to me about reproduction, David. Just stay away from me. Stay away from fucking kids. Don't offer me your thoughts on reproductive strategy. All right. Go fuck yourself. Moving on here. Chapter 10, when we finally, finally, after all this time, we finally got to the Holocaust denial. I knew you were asking when it was going to be here. We're 40 minutes into this. We're on chapter 10 of 40. We're a quarter of the way there. We got to the Holocaust denial. Hooray? Question mark? Uh, He also immediately after that misquotes Nietzsche. So fill that in the bingo card as well. Uh... I'm not going to lay out this whole long fucking quote. Uh, he, he believes that if we're racist enough, we can go to the stars uh, and we can have interstellar white nationalists doing like a horror, like the Terran Empire from the Mirror Universe and Star Trek. Um, he's got a lot of the same imagery of future colonization of the stars that Harold Covington was half obsessed with. Um, but yeah, that's the, we're going to skip that part of the section. That was I'm not going to read all that to you. We'll be here all fucking night. And I, you know. Neither of us wants that. So chapters 11 through 12, we have a bunch of bunch of fake bullshit. We have pseudo-classical pseudo, pseudo history, Rome, the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, the Crusades, yada, yada, yada. Then a whole section on statistics, which is all bullshit. Then bringing us up to the 1990s, which was contemporary to when this book was actually written. Chapter 13. Hey, look, right off the bat, chapter 13, we have a future podcast guest, Madison Grant, author of Passing of the Great Race from 1915, the book that explained that that Cockney Englishmen, like a buddy of mine, are swarthy and Mediterranean and therefore do not qualify as members of the Anglo-Saxon race, unlike some white guy from Illinois. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that guy, the guy who thought brunettes were racially inferior and basically the same as Jews. Yeah, that guy, uh, approvingly cited by David Duke. So that's that's awesome. A uh, uh, bunch of sh- dog whistles about the inner cities, which let, let me offer a critique here for any white nationalists who might be listening to this podcast. Why are you dog whistling to to your own audience? Right. This book is written for white nationalists this isn't, or people who research white nationalists like I do. This is not something a casual lib is going to fucking pick up and read. Who are these dog whistles for? F- just say the thing. We all know what you mean. Just say it. You're speaking to your own fucking choir. Why are you dog whistling? God, that's frustrating. All right. Uh, 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 a bunch of racist shit I'm not going to quote. Uh... I do love this line because this is when it gets very explicit, but there's no racial slurs. (laughs) I feel like there might as well be, though. (laughs) Quote, When all of America is made up of the genotypes of the inner city, America will mutate into a land somewhere between Mexico and Haiti. The transition might be similar to the Haitian Revolution. Uh, I I don't know if David's aware of this, but uh, when the Haitian Revolution happened, the there was a thriving Polish community that lived in Haiti for the longest time and are still there. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, uh, some white some people who are quote unquote uh, European were not considered white, and therefore, like the racial hierarchy when it collapsed, like the house of cards that it is, uh, did not just get lynched in the streets. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it's just you, David, just being an asshole. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> I love this. 
Because of the clear racial demarcation that so often accompanies the haves and the have-nots, a revolutionary proletarian fervor of the dark masses will have a clear target, people of light skin. Fires of racial hatred and envy are stoked by those who can only blame black and brown failure on white racism and oppression, never facing the reality of racial difference. Uh, I have no response to that. Fuck you. Moving on. Here it is. Here's the call to action in chapter 13. Quote, an American Haiti or Mexico is not inevitable, which is why you should shoot them when Americans invade Haiti or Mexico, which is not David's takeaway, weirdly enough. White Americans can avoid such a fate if they once again gain control over their government, their media, and their borders in the first few decades of the 21st century. A whole section of anti of screeds against immigrants. Uh, it ends with a call for a white ethnostate, hence earning the moniker white nationalist that I have applied to David Duke. Uh, chapter 14. Now, I know that we've all been waiting for this so eagerly. Uh, David, no porn in my elementary school Duke will now talk to me and therefore you about sex. So who wants to hear David Duke's thoughts about sex? Uh, no, no one wants to hear that. Uh, well, too bad. I got to do it anyway. It's, it's in the outline. Sorry, folks. Uh, and right off the bat, David is a weird fucking sick old perv because for David, sex talk immediately means opening a kindergartner's book. I'm not fucking kidding. It's he, he immediately transitions to a quote from a C. Jane book, which is, uh, fucking great. Uh, C. Jane, C. Jane, she's a fighter pilot. C. Susan, she's a firefighter. C. John, he is a nurse. C. Fred, he takes care of the house and the children while Susan fights fires. Such is representative of the new readers found in our kindergartners. It is symbolic of the dogma of sexual equality that suggests that it is normal. This is literally just the cultural Marxist uh, woke culture wagon bullshit. This is the same shit they were saying three years ago about great about a critical race theory taking over our kindergartens and shit. This is the exact same shit as critical race theory, but this is critical gender theory from 1991. So don't ever let them pretend that they just care about kids. They don't fucking care about kids. Many of their favorite white nationalist influencers are fucking pedophiles and gross, weird old pieces of shit like David fucking Duke. Uh, here's a really gross section, which in my notes is just labeled GROSS, all in caps. There was no place for most girls in our boyish world. To us, they were alien beings. We'd made fun of their dainty and delicate ways, and even more fun of boys that acted like, quote, sissies. My sister... Oh, God. <laughs> I apologize in advance. I did not write this. I had to note this, and I'm quoting it, but I did not write this. This is fucking, this is the grossest part of this book, by far, not even close. Quote, My sister was five years older, and in the same years that I busily behaved as tough and daring as I could, and sometimes as gross as I could be, her, femini her femininity blossomed. Perfect timing! Exclamation point. Ah, uh, Ah! Uh, David Duke just told us how hot his sister was. Ugh. Gross. F uh. Jesus fucking Christ. All right.
uh, moving on, he he shits on the LGBT community because of fucking course he does. Gay adults can't have healthy consensual relationships with other adults of the same gender identity, whereas David Duke can just tell us how hot he thought his sister was. Apparently, uh, uh, who's a fucking degenerate, David? Who is a fucking degenerate? The guy who fucking opens a sex talk with a kindergartner's book, offers his thoughts about how his sister was getting hotter with age, and about how there was no porn in his elementary school because David went and fucking checked. Oh, God. Alright. Uh, fuck. Alright. So this next section is basically chapters 15 through 25. So we are gonna... We are hitting the fast-forward button on this one. I am just powering through this part because... Despite being 10 chapters of this god-awful shit show of a book, there was actually not that much uh, worth noting here, right? So, here we go. Chapters 15 through 25. The Jewish question. You can make the air horn noises now. The Jewish question. Quote, I am not an anti-Semite, and I reject that label, but I must cite Henry Ford. You know, podcast alumnus, international Jew author Henry fucking Ford. He cites respected British historian David Irving, the Holocaust denier that a movie was made about who sued uh, Lenny Riefenstahl and lost his own court case that he started. Uh, Starting fights and losing them is a proud white nationalist tradition after all. Just ask the Confederacy, the Third Reich, apartheid South Africa, and the nation of Rhodesia. Uh, Again, cites Orwell, who I have to remind you went to Spain to shoot people like David Duke. Um, I'm just sad that, David, that George Orwell couldn't have shot David Duke. That's uh, that's sad that that couldn't have happened. Uh, he cites the Talmud, uh, explains that, it, uh, according to him, it introduces a Jewish plot to take over the world, necessitating pogroms, and making centuries of anti-Semitism both sadly necessary and the Jews' fault, according to David Duke. Uh, we hold a politically incorrect Bible study with David Duke. Uh, don't invite your kids to this Bible study. Uh, not just because of the racism, but because David Duke is hosting it. Uh, blacks aren't real Christians. Ignore your lying eyes, uh, according to David Duke. Jews are behind uh, all the isms, the communism, the feminism, the Marxism, the capitalism, everything. Uh, Jews own the media. There's another classic. Um, uh, the U.S. is a puppet state for Israel instead of the other way around. Uh, slave trade was run secretly by Jews and was also a cool and good thing, but it was also sad because it brought black people over here, apparently. Um, I didn't know the secret cabal of Jews would run a slave trade to benefit rich white landowners in the South. That seems like a a weird Uno reverse card there, but hey, I'm not a white nationalist, so, you know, you square that circle however you think you can. Uh, pro tip, by the way, from this podcast, if someone starts talking about the USS Liberty way too much, it's more than a dog whistle. It's a secret trap door in the floor with a small set of stairs that leads to a candlelit room with a swastika flag on the wall. The USS Liberty was the Israeli military firing on a U.S. ship that they mistook for an Egyptian one. It's not more complicated than that. It is not evidence of the Jewish cabal wanting to murder Americans or whatever the fuck. Um, but if a person obsesses about this too much, uh, it is 100% a sign of deeper underlying white nationalist anti-Semitic beliefs. So that is the position of the Black and Red Book Review podcast. Uh, chapter 23, once again, we go with the whataboutisms and ho- for- the whataboutism form of Holocaust denial. Uh, the communists killed more than the Holocaust. 
Uh, so it wasn't that bad, the Holocaust, but also the Holocaust never happened. But also the Holocaust did happen, and it was good, and the Jews deserved it. Uh, he whines about the Nuremberg trials, uh, to which I put in the notes, quote, Oh no, the poor rich warmongers, whatever shall we do? Uh, great replacement theory is all of chapter 24. He restates Kevin McDonald uh, in chapter 25. And now we get to chapter 26 of 40. Uh, my beginning activism. David Duke's not mine, obviously. Goes to military school. Uh, Willis Carto and Francis Parker Yaki, both podcast alumni, were Duke's favorite authors while he was in military school. Once again, the U.S. military openly uh, allows recruitment of white nationalists and neo-Nazis and doesn't do shit about it. Uh, he worked as a painter for a while. It might have been his only real job. He joined the Klan and defends the Klan, shockingly. Uh, he went to Louisiana State University, where he held a Klan chapter, and he held cross burnings, which he defends. Uh, he read George Lincoln Rockwell and was a big fan of George Lincoln Rockwell, founder of the American Nazi Party. Uh, he got his ass kicked by a Jewish girl, uh, and apparently he smirked until she beat the shit out of him in public. And then he tried to downplay it like he didn't get his ass kicked by a tiny little Jewish girl. But that tiny little Jewish girl who beat the shit out of David Duke at a fucking table in the middle of campus in the mid-1960s. Friend of the pod, I hope you're doing good. You are invited on this podcast at any time. So uh, now we come to the end here. Chapter 28 through 40. So he lived with his dad in Laos for a while doing some imperialist shit. Or according to David Duke, he was like a Jack, a Jack Idemo level of badass operator in Laos and Vietnam fighting the communists. Uh, which, again, I'll take things that never happened. Uh, oh, David, if you were doing sketchy imperialist, shit, imperialist intelligence shit, show me your fucking documents, you know? You're this badass veteran operator guy. Show me your fucking documents. I want to see your military record. I'm not libeling you. I'm not saying that, you know whatever i'm saying that i don't believe you and i want to see the fucking documents so once again i'm challenging david duke show me your fucking military documents uh he visits greece he visits israel he visits quote europe uh he comes back to the states and goes to jail after getting kettled by pigs a lot of racist shit about his time in jail followed from that story uh he joined the kkkk the knights of the ku klux klan uh leaves them Runs for office in, in Louisiana, wins a minor post. He advocates for eugenics and uh, uses special needs kids as an example. Uh, he wants to, quote, eliminate the genes that make them this way and not physically exterminate the special needs kids, or so he says. And he ends the book by begging the rich to fund his campaign. So, uh, in conclusion to this extra long episode of this podcast... Uh, this book was a uh, masturbatory exercise in how great David Duke thinks David Duke is. Uh, explains why David Duke is the way he is. According to David Duke, he, um, let's be kind and say, embellishes his record to almost no end. And he is overall a uh, fucking liar, a grifter, and a bullshit artist. Uh, and it was an incredibly boring lawn book. And uh, frankly, I think it'll be a fairly forgettable text as far as this podcast is concerned. So I appreciate you sticking with me through this extra long episode of David Duke's Bullshit Hour. Uh, and this has been your host, Doc, and I will see you in the streets. Except for you, David. I get the feeling you'll be fairly litigious. So uh, I will see you in my DMs.